If you have your swords, we're going to look at, um, we're going to start at Philippians 2. Philippians 2, I thought I had that, oh, here we go. Starting at verse number 1. You know, what's good about the Bible, the Word of God is God. So as you're rustling through those pages, you're actually touching God. You're touching, and he's touching you. So your epiphelials are going to mix in with the Holy Ghost epiphelials. It's going to get down in your spirit, and some great things are going to happen for you. So I'm going to read to you, find my glasses, starting at verse number one. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fill my joy, that's Paul saying that, and I'm saying that too, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, say that word, Jesus, mm, every knee should bow in those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Give us a hearing ear, O Lord. Give us a heart to receive and a mind to perceive what you would say to us today. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So what I want to talk to you today a little bit about is um, being in one accord. You know, we have to be in one accord. We're, we're the body of Christ. That is the order of God's house. So if we get our vertical correct, our relationship with God, we're in alignment with God, then that's going to help us out to have a, a one accord mentality and attitude horizontally with everybody, particularly those in the body of Christ. 1 Peter 3.8, if you're taking notes, it says, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and be humble. There's that word again, humble. Have a humble attitude. You know, God resists the proud. Just a thought. And Amos 3, verse number 3, you probably know this verse. How can two walk together? How can we hang out? How can we go to Starbucks and fellowship? How can we be together if we're not agreeing? And there's power in agreement. Uh, Psalm uh, 133 tells us that agreement releases the, the command of God. He releases a blessing when we stand in agreement with each other. 
He says it again in Matthew 18. If any two or three of you touch and agree of anything, I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to bring it to pass. I'm going to help you out. Now, I love this, this scripture in Hebrews 5, 7 to 9, I'm going to read to you. It's about Jesus in alignment with what we're talking about. It says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and fears to the one, his Father God, who could save him from death. And he was heard. He was heard because of his reverent submission. He humbled himself. Though he was the Son of God, he learned obedience. And he became the source of eternal rescue. Well, the word says salvation, but salvation is our rescue, our eternal rescue when we obey him. So God the Father honored and empowered the utter authenticity of Jesus Christ's total surrender. See, Jesus was obedient to his assignment, his purpose, to the will of his Father because he loved his Father and he wanted to please his Father. He only had that motive. That was his agenda. So Jesus then is our premier example of obedience and humility and the power that is released by that obedience and that humility. If you recall, Jesus walked in total power, healing everybody who crossed his path, raising the dead, feeding thousands of people, changing lives because he walked in power. So his surrender to the Father's will was his evidence of his agreement with God. He was in one accord. He had one mind with God. We know that our faith and our prayers open the door for God to to come in and help us out and bless us and move in our lives. But see, our obedience, obedience to the word of God, to the will of God, releases the full measure the fullness of his grace and uncommon favor. Now, we need some favor. We need some favor to get in that new house, huh? We needed some favor to pay that bill and get that car note paid, and God released it because you were making supplication and you were obeying. I remember praying with you, sir, and you were talking about, I want to I pray in agreement to follow God better. Whew. That was, a, that was a powerful, you touched my heart when you were praying that prayer. I prayed with you. So no, obedience places us in agreement with God. And agreement is oneness. It's unity. It's being that one accord. And we come in alignment with God's order. You see, when we obey God, we become fully and equally yoked to his body and empowered to be his church and effective ambassadors in the world. That's his plan for us. So as his ambassadors, I'm giving you a lot of scripture today because he told me to. Romans 12, 5 says, we are one body in Christ and individually we are parts of one another. In other words, we are interdependent upon each other but totally dependent upon God because 1 Corinthians 12, 27 tells us, as his body, we each have our own place, we each have our own function, and we each have our own purpose. So I like this this obedience. It's a learned behavior. It's a discipline. It's a choice. And it's kind of like 
Loyalty, you know, when you're devoted to someone or something, or maybe you're a loyal sports fan to the Lakers. <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> it was a hard thing. But as believers, we got to be loyal to the cause of Christ. So loyalty means we're being consistently faithful, especially when difficulty comes to test your commitment, maybe your commitment to God, or maybe to your responsibilities on your job, or to your family. But think about this. If you or your spouse were loyal and faithful most of the time, uh, you probably have some court time. <laughs> now, a little sidebar since we're in court. When, when we're having an affair with our appetites, with the things we want to do, our habits, the choices that we decide on, when we're worshiping at the throne of our own soul, we're actually throwing God under the bus of our unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. That's kind of Christian-ish. You know, there's a TV show called Blackish, and there's another one called Happy-ish. But Christian-ish is not going to work for you, brothers and sisters. Besides doing mostly what's right, uh, is still wrong. Amen? So point being, if we stay as we are, or if we stay as we were, we're going to be limited. We're going to be stuck in Lodabar. You see, the old man smears the effects and the efforts of the new man. And it causes our faith, our faith walk, actually, to be kind of suspect. People be raising eyebrows. You, you're a Christian? Oh, you mean Christian-ish. Amen. See, the problem is a lot of folks are loyal, but they're loyal to their past. They're loyal to their pain. They're loyal to their problems. They're very loyal to their issues. Or maybe they're loyal to those relationships that are not quite aligned with their purpose or the will of God. It's kind of like an addiction, really. But God's got grace for that. We got to want to change. We got to want the freedom that Jesus Christ died to give us. And see, the great news is God will enable us. He never gives us a command that he doesn't give us the grace to enable us to do so. Okay? He is a very present help to all who would call on him. Ezekiel 36 Verse 26 and 27 says this. God's saying this to us. I will give you a new heart. And I heard him say, Pastor, he's going to give you a new heart church. A new, new heart church. And he's going to put his spirit within us. God says, I will take out the heart of stone and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. You see, he puts his hand upon us. He's got his hand on, his, on our back, kind of walking us to those places of purpose, walking us to those places of strength, helping a brother out, helping a sister out in the places where we need it the most. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us, we're all being transformed into the same image, into that, to that marvelous image of Jesus Christ. And it's by the Spirit of the Lord. So here's a point. We have to be available. It's our availability to God that's going to make us a candidate to receive everything he has for us. Not your perfection, not all your performance, not all are you trying to be goody-goody two-shoes and all of that. It's by the grace of God that we are enabled to do the things we're called to do. See, God longs to show himself strong in your life and on your behalf. So that's why he's giving us this new heart. So we have a, 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 a new desire after him, a new appetite. And that's going to put a stop to those constant cravings after the flesh. See, he not only removes the hardness of our heart and all its residue and the scales off our eyes and the barnacles off our ship and all the negative side effects of our past, wiping our slate clean, he also gives us a new sensitivity to his spirit. He gives us a new awareness of who we are now so we can be forgetting those things that were, that were behind us. The things we did or didn't do, that's in the past. Someone said, living in the past is a dull and lonely business. Looking back, strains the, necks, the neck muscles. You'd be at the chiropractor a lot more. <laughs> and it causes you to bump into people not going your way. Maybe that's why some of those relationships are a little bit shaky. <laughs> Just a thought. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. God will give you the best. We just got to download that Yes, Lord app. Yes, Lord. And then you're going to have a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Amen? Here's an important tenet or truth of our faith. Our God is the God of order. Our God is the God of order. Like Tuesday follows Monday. The sun rises in the east, sets in the west. The water stands at the shore obeying his voice that he spoke his command. He spoke thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. It's still obeying him. Hallelujah. There's always seed, time, and harvest. These are his, his orders. These are his structure. This is what he does. He's the God of order. But when we are disobedient to our purpose and to his will, that brings in chaos and disorder, and it opens the door for the enemy to disrupt your life. You're giving the enemy access to you, not to mention you're clogging up the grace flow and you're blocking your blessings. It's the little foxes. Didn't you say that? To, uh, BJ said that earlier. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine and the full potential to produce in your life. Those things are the things we allow, the things that we do that don't match who we are. It's time to look at that. See, when we're Christian-ish, or maybe hot-tempered-ish, or we got to do things my way, you and Frank, 
or maybe there's a little chauvinism-ish, or I tithe-ish, or maybe a little gossip-ish. I love the Lord, but it's them people that are not like me that I don't like so much. Mm-hmm. Or do I disregard the speed limit? I confess. In the name of Jesus, I repent. Or maybe we borrow with absolutely no intentions of ever paying back. Because, you know, they got it. They can afford it. A little money, some paper clips from the office, a few pens. Or maybe we control and manipulate because we feel entitled. And how about that traffic attitude? Mm. And that sign language that accompanies it. Envy and bitterness and stuff like that. I want to be married, Pastor. I've been praying for so long. And I just, can you stand in agreement? But at the root of this, I have a problem with male authority. Just saying, just, just saying. It's the little foxes. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Those things that we, that we allow. But those things limit our lives. They diminish us. See, I can say I'm a Christian, but if I don't fully walk that out, I'm just talking. I'm still walking in darkness, which is a big fat clue. I have not met God in worship. You see, worship changes everything. It changes you from the inside out. And see, real worship, that's not just the singers and the nice music and all the, the little atmosphere that that creates, but it's your total surrender. You're emptying out so God can fill you up. Worship is a game changer. You cannot remain the same in his presence. And if you, if you do, you're totally Christian-ish, and you're shopping at the mall without ever buying anything. You're just window shopping. But I'm at the mall every week. Window shopping, you don't commit to purchase it's a commitment. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, if you love me, you will obey me. See, we, we, we forget that part because I think maybe we kind of love us a little bit more. That's the problem. Martin Luther King said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Some things must matter more than ourself, more than us. Just as we mattered more to God than all the pain Jesus Christ would go through to redeem us and restore us and reconcile him to himself. Serving God and being obedient to his will have got to be far more important than who hurt me, who talked about me, and what I got to do to get him back in the name of Jesus. You know, giving God away and being contagious, as Pastor taught us so well those weeks of that, of that uh, series, that's far more important. It's got to be far more important than arguing a point or being so concerned about getting your feelings hurt again. Don't you want to see God show up in this house as never, ever before? Not a, not a visitation, but a habitation. That's what we need. 
We ought to become the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. His planting. Isaiah 61, 3 says we are called the oaks of righteousness planted of the Lord that he may be glorified. You know, God should be seen every time and everywhere you show up. Every, you know, every servant of the Lord in Scripture, just as they had to yield to his word to fully receive his promises, we're going to have to follow and obey God's instruction. See, that's the order of God. Did you know that God said, fear not 365 times? And it's as a command, not a suggestion. So then that means I got to stop being scared of things that are absolutely smaller than God. And everything else is. You know that, right? That's an obedience. So obedience is is about silencing our flesh or our fleshly need for our choices and our way of doing things and seeking for the comfortability in that thing. See, the Holy Spirit is the comforter, but he is by no means interested in you being comfortable, sitting on the couch, (laughs) watching church in the living room. Amen? Um, Obedience is a discipline. It's, again, that choice we're making. It's reaching outside of ourself, reaching outside of who we think we are to, to, to God and to greater and to better. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice any sacrifice, and it's a testimony of your love for God. Real obedience is produced by the Holy Spirit and your availability to God. That's what it says in Acts 1.8. Jesus said, when my spirit comes upon you, he will give you the power, it will give you the power to become my witnesses, to do what I did, and even greater. That's what we're looking for. God will enable us to do all he asks. And check this out, Acts 3, 26. God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning every one of you away from your iniquities, those proclivities, those things on the inside of you that make you want to party over here all the time, except on Sunday morning when I go to church. He's going to change us. He turns us from our proclivities towards sin to a righteousness that he enables us to become. That's some power. He takes us out of the mess so we become a message. He walks us through every test so that we become a testimony to God, to the glory of God. Realize this, that Christianity is following a Savior. It's following a Savior, not your concept of God or what you were taught. It's a, it's a personal commitment. It's not joining church. It's not about your denomination. And if you follow somebody, your eyes have got to be on them. Ever follow somebody in traffic? You know, you're following a car, you're driving, and you've got to pay attention if they're making a turn or they're getting on the freeway, what exit they're getting off. You can't be, oh, I've got to stop at that shop. Well, the next time I'm in, I'm in this area, that looks great. And you're back, fo- and you lost them. You got to stay focused, pay attention, and stay close, not getting distracted by the things that are going on around you. That's how it is when we're following Jesus Christ. Amen? 
And as we follow him, then we begin to see beyond the natural and begin to develop some spiritual perspective so that I can see forward and I can see up. The Bible says, look up to the hills from which cometh your help. See, when I begin to see, I'm going to understand that what the enemy meant for evil, God is always, always going to turn around for my benefit, for my good. Then I'll begin to understand that challenges do not deserve all my attention. We're making the challenges bigger than God. See, when I understand that, that God is bigger, that's going to help me avoid being consumed by those challenges and using some of them for my excuses for my bad behavior in the name of Jesus. You know the reason we can't see a lot of times? Because our eye gets in our eye. You'll get that when you get home. Our eye gets in our eye, and we can't see. I can't see you, because I'm looking at me. <laughs> Amen. Just a thought. Uh-huh. See, the, the great things of purpose and destiny that God has for us are going to be activated and manifested by our obedience. When we agree with God and we get on one accord with God and honor his order. John 15, 13 says this. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for his friends and for his enemies. Can we, can we lay down our grievances, our unforgivenesses, our disagreements, our issues with folk? our ego, and every out-of-order place in our hearts so God can fill those places with himself. He can fill them with his love, with his peace, with his power. Come on now. Are you available for that? Can, can we lay down our lives so the love of God is raised up for everybody to see Jesus in the room where you are? Prophetically, I'm going to say this to you. When we all decide to be on one accord and lay it all down, there won't be enough seats to accommodate the multitude that will come, not for fish sandwiches, but for the living water and the bread of life. When we all are in one accord, when we honor our pastor, our leaders, and we are in compliance with the order of God. That's what's going to happen. We got to do it. God did everything for us. We got to do it for souls. We got to do it for his glory. Psalm 103 verse number 10 says, God hasn't dealt with us after our sins or rewarded us according to our iniquities because he's a merciful God and he loves us so much. You know, in the book of Acts, it tells us that all of the followers were in one place, in one accord. They had one mind. They were in unity, and the Holy Ghost fell. And the place was full of his glory, full of his glory. Now, everybody here has an anointing. We have gifts and talents that God wants to use. He wants to amp up. He wants to magnify himself through your life. But let me tell you this, when we are in that place of agreement, 
There's a, there's a glory that's coming, Pastor. There's a glory that's coming that will supersede every anointing in this place. And what we would normally do, laying hands on people and praying for people, the glory cloud will not lift and everybody in here will get a, a, exactly what they need to fill their lives. The healings will come. The salvations will come. We'll become more contagious than we ever thought we would be or even wanted to be. Because a lot of times we, we're closet Christians. You don't tell nobody nothing. Come on now. We got to come out. Those pride people came out. What are we doing in the name of Jesus? So are you ready to, to have that encounter that's going to change you from the inside out? God is saying this to all of us. I'm pouring out my spirit to drench your life in me. Let go of what is not in one accord with me to receive my abundance in every place you are. So I'm going to ask you to do one last thing. First of all, I want to pray for you, Pastor. And if you all would extend your hands toward this, this pastor of ours. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon your servant. I pray, Father, for your increase in his life personally and in the spirit realm, that you move him into new places of vision for the house and equip him physically and spiritually to accomplish your will in this place in the name of Jesus. Now, if you all wouldn't mind standing and taking the hand of your brother and sister next to you, we're just going to pray. I know normally we have a time of prayer. You can bridge the aisles. That would be a great idea too, huh? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for this amazing day. Lord, thank you for the personal blessing on each and every one of us, Lord. Just as you, you caused Jesus to grow in stature and wisdom and with favor with you and with man, Lord, we receive that today. We speak that over us. We, we ask you for that personally. And Lord, we pray the blessing of God upon the one on, your, on our left and on our right. Father God, that you would fill them up with you, that you will meet every need. In the physical realm, Lord, we speak every healing, every healing, Father, from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. We speak financial recovery and restoration, debt cancellation, promotion, Lord God, increase, Lord God, blessing us to the point that we are such a blessing. Lord God, we change lives because we, we are equipped to do so. Lord God, thank you for giving us the ability to be available to you more than ever before. Thank you for being astounding in our lives, Lord God. And as we stand on your word, which says, we shall have what we ask for when we stand believing. And Father, when your word says that when we stand in agreement with you, that you release a commanded blessing. And Father God, we speak that to that one on the left and to the right, that you are overflowing us with your spirit today. You are overflowing this house, Father God, with your presence. You are equipping us to be the people, Lord God, the people of God. 
the people who are the people of God, not the ordinary, called out from the secular to be effective in the spirit to change the secular. And we rejoice in you, Father God. We seal this word in the, ple- in the precious blood of the Lamb, in the precious blood, Lord God. We give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And the people said, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.